Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. I'm not going to do what Dad's doing. I'm going to save my friends. At the very end of 1 Samuel, end of chapter 31, by the end of this war, Saul and three of his four sons, including Jonathan, would lose their life. Enter David and his throne. Back to David's throne. And as his kingdom was growing, as his power was growing, he asked a very great question. Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And so, with that question, he asked that question personally before he ever asked that question publicly. I think sometimes the great questions need to be personal for a while, don't they? We need to let them saturate our minds and our soul and continue to ask those great questions. But then he asked the question publicly, and a servant from Saul's household answered the question. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is still around. Now, I don't don't know if you know the story of Mephibosheth. If not, welcome. Mephibosheth's story is kind of tragic. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. And at the time of that war of the Philistines, Mephibosheth was five years old. Welcome to Family Sunday. (laughs) And in the frantic panic, Jonathan's family was seeking to flee for safety. And what was to be a life-saving flee turned tragic in a life-changing moment. See, the nurse grabbed Mephibosheth in her arms and began to run. And in the panic and the frantic fleeing, he slipped from her arms and fell to the ground, rendering an injury that was life-changing. He was unable to use both his left and his right foot for the rest of his life. And by the end of that war, he would lose his grandfather. He would lose his father and two of his uncles. As he got older, his last living uncle was murdered by two rogue men of David's mighty men. 
And now Mephibosheth is left without family, except his own son. So David asks a very key question, a great question. Is there anyone still left in Saul's house that I can show kindness for the sake of Jonathan? And here's Mephibosheth. And he demands Mephibosheth to come before him. And when he arrives, the man bows down before David. And a conversation ensues. I invite you to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7. Actually, let's go to verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David. He bowed down to pay honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king summoned Ziba, the servant, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's a lot of people. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. It's a mouthful, let me tell you. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was crippled in both feet. So when he arrives to David, David said, For the sake of your father, I am going to restore to you all the land that your, your father, your, your grandfather owned. And you will always eat at my table. It's interesting how when we ask great questions, great questions are asked to us, aren't they? Do you notice the question that Mephibosheth asked David? What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? In other words, I'm the least of the least that you should even notice me. Why? Why even notice a man like me? What good am I to you? You know what? I think that's a question that some of us have probably asked ourselves. But it's really interesting. David doesn't ask, answer Mephibosheth. You know what he does? He addresses the servant and says, make this happen. Make this happen. 
But over and over and over in this story, I don't know if you noticed that there was this repeated phrase that Mephibosheth will eat at my table. Four times in this story. Which tells me the table is very, very important. It's very quintessential to this story. Essential to David and essential to Mephibosheth. But why? Why is it so important? See, David wanted to show kindness to Saul's house on behalf of Jonathan. For Mephibosheth's father's sake. Man, let me tell you, that is a mouthful. Anyhow, for Jonathan's sake. So, I was processing this story, and I kept thinking of it from David's perspective. As if I was David. As if you were David putting your hand out for somebody who needed elevated. And I kept running into a wall. And then I realized none of us are David in the story. We're all Mephibosheth in the story. Every single one of us is Mephibosheth. Who were invited to the table to enjoy the meal every day for as long as we live. And it clicked. For one, on David's part, power is not given so that power may reign. Power is given so that they may empower other people. I think we need to understand that very very clearly. Power is given so that you may and I may empower others. But if we look at the story from Mephibosheth's vantage point, who's been rendered powerless, who's been rendered familyless, that's us. Who has a tragic story, a backstory, that needs to be redeemed and restored and elevated. Something that can, only, can be done by only someone else. That's me. I'm Mephibosheth. Each and every day. And it doesn't just go back to the point where I met God for the first time. On the threshold of a bathroom. That God bestowed grace on me for the very first time. Something that I could not do myself. But it's something that happens each and every day that we're invited to the table to sit at the king's table like one of his sons. I often ask a question of people who have taken the risk, they've been bold and courageous to enter into the community of Wapaknaz, this, this tribe of misfits that we call Wapaknaz. And not everybody sticks. I get that. But it's those that actually stick that I ask this question to, whether it's through a DNA class or 
or just a random conversation, I asked them, why did you stay? What made you keep coming back over and over and over again? It's definitely not the grape Kool-Aid. I can tell you that. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that one. For those of you that don't know, look up Great Kool-Aid. You might find an interesting story from back in the day. So, anyhow, it's definitely not for the Great Kool-Aid. But they answer. In some way, shape, or form, or variation, they answer this. Because it feels like family. It feels like family. Now, that makes me wonder and ask questions. What does family feel like? Because I can tell you this. There are a lot of families out there that have family members that don't like feeling like family in that family. Right? And there are those who have had families who have abandoned them, left them, broken trust with them. So what does it feel what does it mean to feel like family? And why is this feeling like family so important to people? You ask great questions, right? So with a mouthful and a mindful of questions, I still come to the resolution that regardless of the answers to those questions, one of our core values is family. Of Walpark Mass. Because we do realize that there are people who don't feel like they have family and want to be a part of it and long for that. They need that. There are people who have lost family and they're the lone survivor, kind of like Mephibosheth. And they don't feel connected to anyone. And when they reach this community of misfits, they go, you know what? This is what I've longed for. This is what I need. This is what I've been looking for the whole time. I don't know how to put my finger on it. I don't know how to describe it, but the only thing I can say is it feels like family. And I venture to say I think many of us and I hope more of us realize that it's because we are Mephibosheth with a, a backstory of tragedy who need restored And for the Father's sake, are brought to the table 
and realize that our seat at the table is not a seat of privilege that we earn. But the seat at the table is a seat of grace that has been given generously on behalf of someone else. I think the key word in, in, in David's phrase is not that I may, not, may show kindness, but it's for Jonathan's sake, for Mephibosheth's father's sake. As we learned in our wonderful sermon in the sack, that we all come from the same Father. But not everybody's sitting at the table. Guess what? This is when the script flips, and you become David, and you invite people to the table. Not because you've been given power, but because you've been graced. You have been graced, and grace elevates you. And that's what empowers you. So folks, folks, if you're here and you have not sat at the table before, the Father invites you to sit at His table. He invites you to have a seat of grace. Not privilege, or position, or power grace because our Father is generous. And if you're already at the table, if you're already seated, I want to remind you that it's a seat of grace and therefore you are to grace and not to condemn. Not to condescend. but grace just the same. Because we're all family. We're all family. The Father's fingerprints are all over. We're all family. So family, I ask, will you please stand? You guys are awesome, man. mind bowing your head just for a moment. If you're here today or if you're listening online, you've been extended an invitation to sit at the table. Now there's not a time limit on that invitation. The only limit is your last breath. But I urge you to receive the invitation today. Now. Because there's a lot of meals to be had. There's a lot of grace to be experienced. 
a lot of love around the table. There's a lot of family. That really does feel like family. So I invite you to the table. I, I extend that invitation, and that invitation is extended by your Heavenly Father. And I just encourage you to cross that line of faith today. Make this your moment. Make this your time. And give Jesus your life as He has given His for yours. I ask that you pray a simple prayer. It, it, it's not, it's just the beginning of the conversation. Jesus, I give you my life. I give it to you. Head to toe, I give you my life. As you gave your life for my sins, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. And if you prayed that prayer, you are now seated at the table for the very, very first time, partaking in a meal of eternity, of eternal proportions. Those are big proportions. Man, that's good. I celebrate with you. But I also ask if you're already seated at that table, Will you grace other people? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for allowing us at your table, allowing us in your presence, inviting us freely to that, to experience you completely in this moment, but also for all eternity, restoring us, redeeming our tragic story, and making us new and alive and empowered to grace other people. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for this family. And I ask that as we continue to grow, that this family is an open circle who absolutely welcomes anyone into the room and loves them just the same and allows you to do the work. Bless these folks. Bless these kids. May they just enjoy being family this weekend. Mindful of what this weekend truly means and why we observe it. It's in your name, Jesus, that we ask these things today. Amen. Folks, we love you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Please love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.